if you're looking for some straight-up marketing advice that's super chilled and also a bit of a laugh, then grab yourself a drink and get ready for Marketing and Margaritas, a podcast that makes marketing entertaining. Brought to you by Rebel Nation, direct from regional Queensland. Hello and welcome to Marketing and Margaritas. Today we're joined by Ange from Wallace and Wallace. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for the opportunity. Welcome anytime. <laughs> we don't usually get that. <laughs> like, no, normally people are a bit nervous. Yeah, and stuff, nervous. So this is very much out of the scope of my usual day-to-day stuff. So, well, as a way, you like, talk for a I living. Talk, right? I talk all day, so, every day, but I guess, yeah, on a formal basis. <laughs> it's a little bit intimidating with the camera, but yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Well, this is right up your warehouse. So we're talking marketing from our perspective, but also how that overlaps with the legal stuff and stuff you should be doing properly when you start a business. So we have got a couple of Q&As that we get asked ourselves that we don't really always know because that's not our area. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was saying to Angela. Like, we get asked these questions a lot because people obviously don't, you know, like that we're doing stuff for them for their business already and they don't necessarily know where that line is. And that's something I always try and drill into my team of where that line is. Because I've seen what happens when marketing people are like, oh, no, just do this and this. It'll be fine. And then they get sued. (laughs) Obviously, on the flip side of that, you know, this is our skill set. But then when it comes to the creative side of things, not our skill set at all. So, yeah. And I think there's like a blurry line of like what order to do what into. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not definitive, to be fair. Do you ever get asked, so does it happen on the other side? Do people ever ask you, like, help us come up with a business name or anything? Yeah. And you're just like, yeah, that's, yeah. You don't want me doing that for you. Creating <laughs> talent, I missed out as far as I was concerned. Joe so. Smith and Co. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very respectable. I mean, yeah, from a marketing perspective. It'll work. Okay, Ange, so you're from Walls and Walls. We know that so far. Tell us, what do you do there and what, I suppose, got you into the legal industry? Yeah. Um, so I've recently been appointed as a partner at Wallace & Wallace, um, which is, I guess, really exciting from a lot of perspectives. Um, I did my initial training, so my first lot of work experience I did as a uni student at Wallace & Wallace, I then came back to So it very much feels like home. I've spent, you know, the bigger part of my career working at Wallace & Wallace, but I did my work experience there on a number of occasions over the course of my degree when I was doing my degree at UQ. Um, I then came home to do my article clerkship. So that's the old school equivalent of today's, I'm showing my age now, <laughs> <laughs> of today's trainee solicitor. So you spend two years working under the guidance of obviously experienced solicitors and you transition and rotate through the various areas of law and basically come up with what you think, you know. That's you a good idea too because then yeah. sort of like you might be like, oh yeah, man, I'm going to totally be into criminal law and then you move around the different areas and stuff and you're like, no, actually criminals are big scary people and yeah. I don't want to do <laughs> Yeah, and that's very much the case. I thought I wanted to be a family lawyer, found the subject so interesting at uni spent a week in work experience and decided no I'm literally going to be rocking in the corner in the fetal position I'm more you know people talk about lawyers being lovers or fighters so I work in the space where obviously people are trying to get to the same end result the same objectives so you're the lovers lovers yeah so lovers not the fighters whereas (laughs) obviously then you've got your litigators that are happy to you know fight all day tooth and nail every day and then you've got your family lawyers and um, criminal lawyers which yeah also don't a lawyer or a solicitor same same oh okay cool yeah so previously the term lawyer was more so an American term, but we've sort of moved very much to, yeah, 
that kind of terminology. I never these knew days. that. So, yeah, cool. um, but yeah, I did my training here, then went to Brisbane for a bit, went to London from, and worked as an Australian qualified lawyer over there, and then came back to Mackay in 2007. I've been here ever since. So, um, but yeah. And family and stuff here and everything. Family's too. here. Yeah. It's an amazing place to work professionally. Um, it's a great place to raise kids. So, yeah. When so, we're so I mean, I'm not sure that personally. <laughs> She's but just going to take my Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, um, everyone says, everyone so, And yeah, Wallace and Wallace, we've just, yeah, an amazing team, a really good staff morale, and it has that kind of family vibe about it. Um, I guess. The main thing I love about my job is that building client relationships and helping people achieve their objectives. That sounds a bit cliche, but... But it's the same thing for us, man. It's exactly why we do what we do is like you meet someone and you're like, what you're doing is cool. I want to help you achieve whatever that is yeah. sort of a thing. You know? And I think that's the major advantage. Like I've worked in Brisbane, I've worked in London, but I've come back here and you just kind of get that real one-on-one, I guess, interaction every yeah. single day. And there's this amazing variety of work that you get to. Yeah. So, you know, helping someone achieve their objectives might be, you know, they're setting their business up, um, buying or selling a business, buying or selling a commercial property. You're helping a family transition like a rural property down through generations you're helping yeah. someone put in place an estate plan to give them sort of peace of mind that they're leaving behind their legacy the way they want to and you get to do all of those things whereas obviously if you're working in a huge office you're often you often have to specialize into a Again, really exactly specialization mm. so that's i think what makes working in Mackay so amazing and the thing is it's it's like anything as good as pros and cons like you know when if you're in a metro area you have like a social media agency or you might you even have places that are just like a facebook ads agency yeah. and stuff whereas like in a regional center we have to do fucking everything. everything like we do all the digital and billboards and printing and whatever sort of thing so it's like you it's exciting because you get to do so many different things you're not locked into just doing this one thing the all same the time. thing all day every the day. same time challenging yeah. because like you've got to be across 50 million things that's exactly like, right and it's using skills yeah. like a wide range of skills mm. so that's the other thing about law that's yeah Makes it great. <laughs> okay, so when I was younger, yeah. I was actually going to do a dual degree in psychology and law because mm-hmm. I wanted to be a lawyer, mm-hmm. but I wanted to, like, be a really fucking awesome lawyer, I think. That's what the motivation was. Would you have been was. a lover or a fighter? A oh, fighter. Yeah, fighter. absolutely yeah. fighter. That yeah. was the whole thing was, like, getting up and being like, they're wrong, objection, or whatever yeah, that is. but I feel like you would have got – that you would have worn the emotional weight yeah, of yeah. some things. Like, really? you would have had to – Pick your area. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because not everyone knows this, but you're a bit of a softie. Oh! <laughs> and and no. away all you see. Can we strike no. that from the record, please? <laughs> um, but the reason, so I didn't end up going into it. Like, I did try out some uh, legal courses in, mm-hmm. in uni and stuff like that. You have to remember so much. <laughs> like, but like, no, like legit, there's a lot of remembering of things. Yeah. Do you find, like, so. Yeah, I mean, and there is, like, I think they're, you know, the attention to detail skills, the negotiating, and there's huge amounts of reading. So if that's yeah. not, if that's not your thing. Then I, I love the reading, but the retention part, yeah. I could not, like case law and precedent. Yeah. Oh, hold on, this solution from somewhere else. Yeah. Like, no. And you see that in litigators, like we've got some amazing litigators in our office and yeah, their ability to just recall, recall yeah. like intricate facts and names and God, I'm terrible. Yeah. I'll hear something on the radio and then I'll try and tell my husband <laughs> and I'm like, look, it was really good. He's like, I don't understand how that would work. I'm like, they explained it so well. 
to be fair, you also only just had a baby a little while ago, so like you know, like the sleep. The more kids you have, the worse it gets. Until the doesn't come back. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. So one last question before we move into our actual marketing legal overlap stuff. How long have you been lawyering? Sli- Soliciting? No. Yeah, like no, Again, you've got me showing my age. So I was admitted as a solicitor in 2004. So that's, yeah, 18 cool. years. So you got the chops. All right, cool. Yeah. That's where I wanted to yeah. get that from. <laughs> All right, cool. So first off, one of the things that obviously we do when people first come to us is that we do help them um, develop their business name and develop their logo, which is like their brand identity and stuff like that. We can do all of the, you know, the cool looking things and make sure that it's all aligned and stuff. But then it comes into that point of whether um, trademarking or not. So I know like when I first started in business, I I thought trademarking was just for big corporates. Yeah. So I was like, I'm a little freelancer. Yeah, I, don't I don't need, need to worry about I don't need this. a trademark. I won't get any value. Yeah. And then, yeah. I remember talking to um, like a, a networking event, talking to a solicitor here and them saying, oh, like trademarking is like your logo and your colors and your net. And like there's 50 million things just in that. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about yeah. that trademarking and how – like, is it like a, we really, really should do this? Or is it kind of like a wait until you're big kind of thing? Uh, it's not necessarily a wait until you, wait until you're big thing. Um, there's obviously that distinction between your business name and then the trademarking of the name and the branding and the logo, etc. So um, the business name is just your administrative requirement and that's a legal requirement. So if you're trading as anything other than just your name, even if it's John Smith and Sons, obviously you've got to register your business name mm-hmm. and that process is relatively straightforward and you can do it online. There's um, government online option yeah I think I did mine myself yeah very straightforward through the likes of ASIC yeah so you've got ASIC Connect and then you've also got um, an Australian government business registration option where you can do a range of things so you're registering for your ABN you're registering your business name and um, you can register for taxes so GST um, PAYG FBT etc then like your trademark itself though so um, your business name is identifying your business but it's not affording you any sort of protection as far as that logo etc that's what a trademark is right yeah. it's like it's a protection it's a protection it's not like from... a legal requirement in the sense of I can't trade without a trademark yeah, so you've got your admin requirement in your business name and then your trademark is where you're afforded those protections if you've got obviously people in you know, similar businesses doing similar things, it's giving you the exclusive use of, you know, that brand, that logo. Um, so, that, yeah, no one else could come in and, and use, like, Rebel Nation or whatever sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so if it's trademarks. So, and there's obviously benefits from trademarks in terms of the fact that it's actually listed on a public database. So that acts as a deterrent, obviously, then for people in using something that's substantially ripping similar. Yep. Yeah. Ripping you off. Didn't... Was and it Cadbury? Didn't they like trademark their purple or something as well? Yeah, so there's all sorts of things. Yeah, that like that's so many details you can trademark. You, know, you think insane. of Cadbury and you think of purple. So, mm. um, so does that mean no one else can use that purple or they just like in that industry? It depends on who it's, how they Yeah, trademark it's it. obviously, you know, it's not a blanket, no one else gets to use purple. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, <laughs> purple, Cosa <laughs> <brand>. <laughs> just like, sorry guys, we're having a strike this one. Yeah. Things no one can use. But you can't purple. obviously then be doing something that's going to give someone that you're essentially passing yourself 
yourself off as, you know, and yeah. drawing on the goodwill. This is Canberra. Mmm, tasty chocolate. But, um, yeah, and then on the flip side of that, it's also giving you, I guess, a defence if people turn around and say, well, that's too substantially similar to me. Well, if you've got the trademark, you've got the trademark. Too bad, so, so um, it's mine. And it's also then, you know, if you're coming to sell your business or licence, it's very easy if you've got that trademark then to pass that on to the person. So it's part of your, like, succession planning yeah. and stuff yeah. too. Yeah, yeah okay. so, um, and all of those things obviously add to goodwill, add to the value of your business. Um, but it's not a blanket everyone should have a trade mark either you've got to obviously wait you know the process itself is time consuming it's costly so you've got to I guess weigh up do you think you're going to get the return on investment for yeah yeah, I don't think anyone else is going to come in and take like Rebel Nation and our logo oh, and stuff. Yeah, but at the same time, yeah. yeah, that's it. You don't think it's like insurance. You don't think it's a problem until it's actually yeah. a problem. And, and that's then the you're thing, you know, at the outset, obviously, you know, when you're just starting up. Um, and then you get so sort of drawn into, I guess, building the business up. By the time you realise, you know, it's something that needs to be trademarked, that's when you've potentially, like, lost your opportunity. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. someone's on So basically you're just saying do it as, like, preventative sort of thing before it like becomes an issue. I feel like you just use our podcast to get free advice from people. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, okay, we need to do this. <laughs> that's on the to-do list, right? Like, that's what you're yeah, writing it down, aren't you? Yeah. Mm. It, we're in the process. Okay, well, this one I can't use as a to-do list. <laughs> so copyright. Mm-hmm. This is a huge thing in our industry yep. where people are like um, basically what you can and can't Fine. use of other people's stuff and what people can and can't use of your stuff. Yeah. So, you know, if you're if you Google something and then you grab it off Google Images and use it for your socials or like we have people who want us to build websites for them where they just grabbed images yeah, other people's here, websites. Here's something like, I prepared earlier. We're like, we can't do <laughs> that. that. Yeah. Um, you need to have your own unique stuff. And then, you know, on the same token, we have clients that get concerned about posting their stuff yeah, on socials because then they're and like... And then hold it out as their own. Yeah, and I honestly don't know. Like, where is that copywriting line? line and stuff? Yeah. Like, I've tried to look into it before, but it's kind it's of complicated. A bit, yeah, complicated. Like most legal fucking things. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, um, it... It depends. But as a starting point, you assume that everybody's work is protected by copyright. Right. Um, and so you've obviously got, you know, you've got literary works. So that's things like novels, it's website content, okay. um, it's computer programs, song lyrics. Then you've got artistic works so paintings drawings plans etc does graphic design kind of come in under yeah dramatic that? works so that's like your choreography and your plays musical right. works they're separate from the actual sound recording and the lyrics and then you've got things like film sound recording broadcasts um and published editions so the owner of those works generally the rule of thumb is that they've got the exclusive rights as right. far so as those works. So, it, yeah, it's, it's mine. mine, subject to some qualifications. So it's mine and I've got the sole exclusive rights to reproduce, but then you get into that realm of did I, did I create those works in the course of my employment? And often, if that's the case, unless you there's an agreement to the contrary. <laughs> no, you, my, yeah, anything you, I make is yours. Yeah, that's what I mean. And that's exactly right. So, it's you know. Like, you, you made it, but it's my shit. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah. 
work that I do as far as articles is concerned, website content for the Wallace and Wallace Works website, obviously that belongs to the employer, ah, that belongs to the firm. So, so if, write a blog if I write precedents, yeah, all of that work, it's is, fun. that's the general rule of fun. Well, if I wrote something for our website, you wouldn't expect me to leave and then copy and paste it onto someone else's website, so. No, I, yeah, I get it in that respect, but at the same time, like, that's your unique understanding and and yeah and it will depend obviously on the employment relationship and you can obviously you you don't need to do anything I'm just going to amend my contract (laughs) 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 all my stuff is fine so um so what about then using other people's people's words so ultimately it comes down yeah misusing someone's creation so um if you reference them like, if you were nicking someone's photo off social media, because, like, it would obviously really depend on the circumstance. Um, but, like, if you... Oh, like, someone, like, a sourced bot from... Yeah, um, like, someone's photo. If you, to, like, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, permission is, you know... And just, like, I don't want to make myself <laughs> <recording now>. And, <laughs> well, disclaimer here, this copyright area is more so... Um, it's not my area of expertise. So, um, one of our commercial litigators... Danielle Woodward has, um, shout out to Danielle because she's obviously <laughs> given me some of the content to talk about today. That is her and copyright and copyright disputes are her yeah. forte. Because it's a huge thing. Yeah, right? and it's an intricate and mm. as lawyers we yeah, specialise in particular areas. That said, there's some fair dealing exceptions when it comes to reproducing someone's work. So um, if you're producing or publishing that work for the purposes of criticism and review, parody and satire, research and study and rep- or reporting news, that's a fair dealing exception. So I can make fun of someone's shit before I can actually just put it on my social media. Yeah, pretend it's yours. Oh my god, is that um, crazy? So whether you can me. whether you can use someone's stuff ultimately comes down to that permission. So a license, like you know, that's your best level of protection. But if you've just got some sort of written confirmation, then that's your defence. Then yeah. I've written so can we just that clearly word. state you cannot just grab something off the internet and use it. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay, unless cool. it falls into that <laughs> fair dealing exception um, mm. or unless, yeah, you've got express permission, yeah. ideally in writing, so that it's not a he said, she said scenario. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lawyers hate agreements to agree or, and that's, yeah, no paper trails to show that, no, we talked about that, you said I could do it. I will um, save everything on email. Yeah, <laughs> and that's one of the things, like, I advise clients sort of thing, they'll be like, oh, I've just grabbed these off the internet, can you use them? And I always write back to them and say, look, I really recommend that you actually go to that. So, for example, client logos yep. people want to build credibility on their website so if I have a slider of logos for organizations that I've worked with then it shows the level of quality of work yeah. I produce yes. but uh, as I always say to the people who they're like oh I've just grabbed their logos off their website can yeah. you put them on our website I'm like how would you feel if someone did that to, to the you? Same. yeah and that comes back to yeah that permission that license and, say, to you. and it doesn't have to permission. be something you know you know particularly detailed or you know no it's just and but also from our perspective i'm like the one the logo that you've just ripped off from somewhere how do you know that that's actually their most current and proper logo as well like if they're your client you actually give a shit about them do the right thing by them contact them ask them for their correct logo ask them if they're comfortable with you with them being on your website and so someone might not not want people to know who their supplier is and that's their right man yeah and you've obviously then go from you'll just get a totally different outcome you ring them can i use this it's like yeah 
that's awesome, you want to promote me, you want to promote our collaboration. Yeah, totally. Or they literally open a website one day and see that someone's used that without their permission and it's a totally different feel. And you think of the big fellas and stuff too, like Anglo and BHP and everything. We have so many people who take their logos and put them. And I said, and that's why I say to clients, I'm like, if you go and do that, you realise that anyone can go and do that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you want this to be legitimate, like – Go and get that permission, do it properly, ask like it will take a little bit longer, but you're doing it in the right, right way. Right. Yeah. And then you obviously don't have the fallout. If you want to keep them as a fucking Well, client. that's exactly yeah. the right thing. Yeah. Don't burn your relationships by a lack of communication. So if I then saw my logo on someone else's website and I hadn't given them permission to use it. So then obviously you've got rights potentially in copywriting infringement. So you can't be like, so, yeah. take down your website. <laughs> then, yeah. You, your rights are essentially like injunctions to so they're to cease and desist and then the step beyond that is damages so if you're suffering some sort of quantifiable loss from their use of your creations content, yeah. your content your works then yeah but you can ask for it that's, that's right but you've got to obviously yeah <laughs> Again, prove that there's been damages yeah, and prove there's been damages and it's got to be a cost benefit scenario am i going to get a return on investment for or do i just want them to stop taking yeah. my content down? no i want them yeah. to pay pay yeah, yeah. i want them Public, to suffer yeah, the publicly, publicly pay yeah, there's the partnering yeah. you as opposed to let's all be friends okay cool all right, so moving on to disclaimers. Yeah. So we design email signatures mm-hmm. for people and we design websites for people and then they sometimes ask us to put certain disclaimers and yeah. stuff on there, but then we do get asked by people saying, oh, can you add a disclaimer to that? And my response is always that um, I'm not a lawyer, so yeah. I can't actually write something. I can't draft the disclaimer itself. Yeah, yeah, because I don't know what needs to be protected and what doesn't need to be protected. Like, it's, that's a yeah. lawyer sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, and then again, that will come down to the nature of your business. Um, so it is. Like, you can't just, like, copy and paste one oh, disclaimer and it, like, obviously be covers. wording um, that you'll see basically duplicated across there's a structure that yeah there's a structure and then it can be customized based on your particular circumstances there's no legal requirement to actually have a disclaimer um and it's not going to i guess protect you from things like misrepresentations negligent negligent advice um anything that's specific to your business or obligations under consumer protection laws like you can't opt out of that by posting some disclaimer but then on the flip side there's obviously value in a disclaimer because it limits your liability mm-hmm. so yeah, you know, it's giving, yeah that's exactly right so you know i will give a presentation and i might be giving generic advice that across the board is largely accurate but then depending on the specific circumstances yeah, of what you're doing or vary. what your situation is yeah you might need a higher level of protection yeah, or something yeah so do or, we need a disclaimer for this podcast <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Always run with a disclaimer. So Andrew's advice is exactly specific to exactly your business. Um, yeah, no, she's thought that. about all of you who are listening and it's it's hundred percent specific for you. You don't need to get any other advice ever. Um, and then like best practice is n- obviously it needs that disclaimer needs to be easily identifiable, not sort of hidden away 
somewhere in you know some intricate link from your website um, but best practice is actually having some form of acknowledgement from people that are using your website as far as that disclaimer is concerned so it might be a clicking of okay or a checking box. box yeah yeah but you've got to obviously then weigh that up against making your website user-friendly too you don't yeah. want it so you know onerous to navigate that the traffic is minimized because people can't be like bothered. every page has this big yeah, yeah. you have to click yeah. through and go yeah i understand yeah so for an email sig for example like a simple basis like that if someone has copied and pasted someone else's disclaimer and asks us to copy and paste it to the bottom of their email is that like taking from the first person is that copyright yes thank you that's what i meant (laughs) things things that are in the public realm and that apply across the board obviously it's a different scenario and i don't think anyone's going to you stole my disclaimer so yeah (laughs) that's exactly what i wrote and you changed the business if someone uses our terms and conditions for our quote i would crack shits because i wrote them and they're fucking hilarious (laughs) yeah yeah well that's a creative work that's yeah. yeah yeah protected by copyright and so then so then on a website uh, like so if people have a um you know like a contact form or whatever or they're opting in for something and they have that tick box saying i've read your privacy policy terms conditions and you just have them as a link to the pages yeah that's still an acceptable way of doing that and that's really the only practical way because that's what I mean. If you just got a form and then you've got the 50 million You don't want to take it away from the content that you're actually wanting them to read. Yeah, because then the scroll yeah. down to get the submit button yeah. is kind of... Yeah, like, and they're lost in the terms and conditions and they haven't actually... Because yeah. uh, everyone reads all of those yeah, terms That's exactly right. They've just checked the box. Terms and conditions. <laughs> yeah, sign here. She's a lawyer. It's one of my worst things. Speaking of terms and conditions then, and my next one is, do you need like a proper terms and conditions for every competition that you do. So we have clients that um, we run terms and conditions yeah. for, uh, terms and conditions that we run competitions, competitions for. Well, um, like social media and things like that. like that. Do you, like, can you just have a terms and conditions template that you update or is that something Yeah, you where... absolutely can have it. So okay. a lot of that content will apply across the board and Good, that's, that's the what case. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you don't need to reinvent the wheel every time for the sake of so it. Only go so to you can... every single time we run a competition no, so being like, is or, this okay? That, yeah, that's exactly right. So a lot of those conditions are going to apply across the board so yeah. they can be replicated and then you can just customise it to the extent that it's relevant to that particular competition. So if there's like particular terms that are only apply yeah in that instance then you can drop them in but yeah largely you can have a template and you know if it's something intricate you could just get that particular thing checked, checked off. out and that's why i always say to clients again when you know when you get to that point is that i say i'm i'm not a solicitor yeah like I, this is not actually what i do for a living i do this fun part over here yeah. this legal boring crap i'm leaving i've got a template yeah. but you know if you want to get that checked Check by your solicitor, solicitor to make sure that you're protected yeah go nuts sort yeah. of thing yeah and again, that basis. positive like acknowledgement of it, you've then got your fallback to say, yeah, well, they've yeah, positively asserted that, yes, they agreed to those terms and conditions. And I think that's the thing. It's like it's just understanding there's certain things that you have to do as a legal requirement and then there's other things where like you do it because it protects you. Yeah. And when it comes and to business. And it's about perceptions and, yeah. Well, you just want to know that you're doing things in the right way yeah. and that you are protecting you and your business and your staff and everything mm. because if you're leaving these legal loopholes open, it can cause damage. That's right? exactly like, right. And then also it's about perceptions from the outside looking 
years. All of those things are in place. It gives, you're legit. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. That legit and we've all impression. dealt with dodgy supplies yeah. and stuff like that. And you can just tell when someone's yeah. like doing things cutting corners. Right yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, and it is much like obviously that. easier to cover off on all of those things from the outset. Put those protections in place rather than trying to damage control after Afterwards. the fact. I yeah, didn't do any of it, yeah. and you've got that he said she said scenario, or yeah, you've breached and infringed obligations, and you're then you know trying to repair the damage after yeah the fact. so and it's much cheaper to spend the money at the front end <laughs> than to pay lawyers at the back end yeah. to try and negotiate some sort of settlement so if a client's doing something as simple as a send us a photo of your the our product that you've purchased or used and you'll go in a draw to win a you know a voucher or something like that on social media they need a proper terms and conditions for that kind of thing well, ideally, and but that's the kind of if you've got a base level terms and conditions, yeah. that's going to cover off on that. Yeah, it doesn't Sorry. have to be a twenty page. No, and you don't want, want it to be rather yeah. than a page yeah. sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Decisions, final, all those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. yeah negotiations yeah. will be entered into after the fact. You can't you exchange know, this exchange cash. cash. All those sorts of things. So it can be kept at a basic level, but it just clearly confirms this is yeah. These are the terms of the comp. Again, and that's just protection because you think like when you're doing stuff. You, you sort of think about what you would do. You're like, oh, if I want something, I'd be so excited. But there are people who, like, if they win something. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to trade this off for something else. Yeah, exactly. I, I actually want this. Want this. Can I, I swap want this in for yeah. this or whatever? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's sort of like, and that's why these things have come about. And all the, yeah, expectations are clear from the outset. Mm-hmm. And that's where, yeah, if yeah. you've communicated, then you're less likely to have fallout after the fact. So we have like the spam act and yeah. stuff, which is one of the ones I do have like a little bit of a rudimentary understanding. But again, I always try to say to clients, I'm not a lawyer, so it could be wrong. Check with them sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. Um, but I, so I, some of the stuff I sort of know, but I just want to get it from an actual proper lawyer. Um, the one click sub- subscribe. Mm-hmm. Why do we have that? Yeah. So if you're sending like commercial marketing messages, SMS messages, um, it's I guess that level of protection that you have to be able to easily opt out. So it ne- it gets referenced as a one click unsubscribe. Right. It doesn't literally have to be one click, but it has to be okay, a straightforward okay. process. That so it, ha- it can't be don't always no. have one click. And I'm yeah. like, so it has to be that- straightforward. It right. can't be that you have to jump through so many loops that it's unduly onerous and you can't opt out because yeah, yeah obviously so then that's easily yeah, able it just needs to, to be opt out someone's email list, opt out of yeah. someone's SMS list yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I was happy to be on it initially. Now I want to opt out. It just has to be not necessarily one click, yeah. but straightforward okay, so you well, can you easily opt out it. and obviously there's significant penalties if you're breaching the spam act so um individuals first time offenses 44 grand can Holy be the shit. if you're a company 200 grand so <laughs> oh my god i need to reread that book so you've got to comply with your legislation but yeah ultimately it's not <laughs> my one hands are sweating <laughs> we, might, we might put a link to that in the podcast notes. yeah let's do that <laughs> um yeah Okay, and so then another one we get from people, and this is a really big one for yeah. us, is actually how to legally collect people's data. So I, you know, if you've ever listened to podcasts before, I'm a massive fan, like I'm a huge believer in um, having an email database yeah. because you do not own your website traffic. If Google changes algorithm, you lose it. You yeah, do so not you own your social media fans. Yeah, if yeah. Facebook, you know, goes but like closes down, you don't yeah, have that. Lost. But your email database is a business asset. It's something that you actually own and can pass on. 
But building that legally yeah. is also important. Yeah. So I guess you can give us a couple scenarios of what is and isn't mm -hmm. legal when it comes to collecting people's data. So then that just comes back to the permission aspect. So, um, and it can be granted many different ways. So you can tick a box to sign up to receive exclusive offers when you're finalizing a purchase. Um, you can enter details on the particular website when you're um, signing up, but you've got to be really clear about what information you're collecting, why you're collecting it, how you're going to use it, um, and what you're going to do. Like people are very minded about protection of you know their private information these As days but more so obviously the increased threats or threats around you know cyber threats and fraud and all mm -hmm. those sorts of things yeah, so absolutely. you know again that comes back to you don't have to have a privacy policy on your website it's not a legal requirement but there's we obviously value in doing days, it because people yeah. have expectations when it comes to that and they want to know, and again, you know level of how you're using it mm -hmm. and why you're using it and whether you're going to be sharing it with third parties and basically they're signing off on all of those yeah. things um so you can use then, if you've collected that information with their consent from the outset, um, you can, as long as that information is not withdrawn, you can continue to use it on that basis. Um, and so if it's an old database, as long as the info hasn't been or the permission hasn't been withdrawn, you can continue to use it as long as you haven't, you know, say if you collected in your capacity as Rebel Marketing and then you decide to go off and start a business venture that's entirely unreal. You can't take that Rebels information because they've given it to you. They yeah. give permission the to Rebel Market not yeah. to. Yeah. And I guess that's my biggest thing with clients is that we have people who go, oh, here's all my customers. Can I use them as my database? And I'm like, as far as I understand it, even though, so when I first started in marketing, and I could be wrong, when I first started marketing, my understanding was that if someone had purchased from you there was a, 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 um, a, like an understanding that they wanted to hear from you but that changed when the spam act changed and it was then that they had to give direct permission to receive um, marketing and commercial messages so even if someone's done so like for example when someone comes to the agency and is a client of ours they're not we don't subscribe them to wild oats they don't just get added to it because yeah, they happen to do business yeah. with us they have to actually opt in so, yeah, to being in that database themselves. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So it all comes down to that permission, the permission not being withdrawn and using the info for the purposes for which they gave the permission. So, yeah. I was pretty sure because I've had this where I've been added yeah. to people's databases yeah, like, because I'm in, their, I'm in their address book. Yeah. And so they've started a business and then they've started sending me messages and I'm like, I know you, so I'm not going to take you to task on this. Yeah. But at the same time, that's not right. No, it's you not right. You haven't, ticked, yeah, you haven't ticked the boxes. You haven't met the legal requirements. But, yeah, it comes down to are people going to take you to task on it or are they not phased by it? Yeah. And I guess that's the thing. Like, you can always opt out of stuff and everything, but it's just like I didn't give you permission to send it's me not a free -for -all. your freaking spiritual health and well-being crap that I don't care about. You know what I mean? <laughs> not that I don't care about health and well-being, but, like, there's this one particular one who yeah. did it to me where I was like, I don't like the stuff that you do. And yeah. I just feel like you've just, yeah, you've taken my data without my permission. And it's like, it's wrong, man. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm a fighter. <laughs> okay. That's where you've got, yeah. And there are obviously significant penalties under Privacy Act and Spam Act. So, yeah. $4,000 worth. Holy shit. That is massive. Yeah. I had that, well, that's idea. scary in the context of, of a small business. That's 
Well, and I mean, that's the whole point. Those make those kind of size of penalties between, as yeah, it because it actually has to, to be a deterrent. Otherwise, yeah. people aren't, yeah. Yeah, I'll take the slap hit. on the wrist. I'll take like a thousand bucks. Worth, bucks. My return on investment is worth the hit. So. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Hmm. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, that was all of my questions, but I did just want to wrap up with something as well. So we're talking a lot about, you know, um, how to do your marketing and et cetera. And so a lot of this is related to established businesses and established business owners. Obviously, we also have an audience of people who haven't actually taken that next step in starting their business yet. So I just literally had a phone call last week from this dude who's like, I've been recommended to you. Um, I'm starting a business. Uh, where do I start? Can we come in and have a meeting and talk about my logo and stuff? And I was like, I totally get why you want to jump to the fun, fun stuff because marketing is super cool. Like, I, I understand. But I'd highly recommend before you come to us, go to an accountant, go to a solicitor because there's like all this shit that you kind of need mm-hmm. to sort before you do the marketing. So you jump into the fun stuff. And that's absolutely correct. And that's where... We can work collaboratively, lawyers, accountants, solicitors, etc. Um, because we've also all got our separate skill set. Like, I'm absolutely not going to touch the numbers. That was one of the other reasons <laughs> I did more. It's just like, yeah, my skill set doesn't lie with maths or science or numbers. I but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the same. <laughs> um, likewise, my skill set doesn't lie in the creative field either. But there are things that are so important to get right from the outset. So, you know, what type of structure? Are you a sole trader? Are you running in a company structure? Are you, you know, a partnership? A yeah, trust or a trust. Sort of stuff, yeah. Um, and you need to yeah, get it right. Thing, yeah, that's a big one you need to get well. it right so from what the is outset. The order because if I don't have a name for my new exciting business yet because I haven't got Jade's help. You can't really register anything or start no. setting stuff up. Oh, so, yeah, I didn't think about it from that perspective. No, I can't make a bank account in that name or anything no. like that. So you know, there's going to obviously be quite... Back and forth. That's exactly yeah. right. And overlap, and you're going to be seeing these people So it's not in like succession. direct sort of like order of who to see. It's yeah. more a bit of an order of what to get done sort of thing. And that could be going back yeah, and forth. And that's going to obviously vary. Some people are going to know what they want from the outset. Some people are absolutely green on this and they'll need that initial conversation and they'll need, you know, the marketing team pointing them in the direction of a lawyer or an accountant to say, okay, well, I can look after this stuff for yeah. you, but you're going to have to yeah, get your accountant to register your ABN and or register your company, etc. Um, and you obviously need to get that stuff right from the outset because if you start running a business in a certain structure and then you've built it up, you've built up the value and the worth and then you realise oh, from an asset protection perspective or something I else, I haven't done pieces. it the way I should have done it and now I want to transition to something else. Obviously, you're going to incur costs that you yeah. need not have incurred if you just set it up right yeah. from the outside. And like if someone comes to us with a name and, you know, we do the logo and everything and then they realise someone else has actually got that name That's trademarked. That's exactly right. Like yeah. They've wasted and those, that yeah. time. And we can't not charge them because they can't use it. It's like, well, we, we did just exactly spent hours and hours. Like, yeah. Yeah. We did the work, but yeah, we didn't do these steps. Yeah, um, and that's not our area. That's where we need yeah. your help. So that's where yeah, we exactly. Work We're not the solicitor who can do all yeah. of the protection and part. Of it. Oh, we can yeah. have a look at a couple of things to see. You know, yeah. and just searches and, search. and stuff like we yeah. can do basic stuff like that. But I always say it's not definitive because you know there's like whole other layers that I'm not even aware of, let alone know how to access. Yeah. And there's lots of things that you know you should be setting up from the outset. So if you are in business with someone else, ideally a partnership agreement, a shareholder agreement yeah. that covers off on you know what are people's capital contributions how's the profit share going to work if someone wants to opt out yeah. what are the buy sell arrangements if yeah, we're bringing someone in exit, and, how 
how it's the exit at the plan. end. When that's you're right. at the start, you still need to think about how it could end. Yeah, and that's the right time to do it because, mm. you know, it's all touchy-feely, everyone's happy, excited. we're really yeah. excited about it. it we're all becomes emotional page. in that way that it can, where it's like, well, I just expected that this was going to happen yeah. and that we we're going to split 50-50. Yeah. And it's like, well, I did most yeah. of the work, so why would I split 50-50? And there's roles and responsibilities all the time. To try and negotiate then a fair logical outcome when yeah. everyone's emotions are running high like said, and the relationships said, yeah. are burned. Yeah. And that's where you'll spend ten times as much as you would have spent just putting it in place at Something the outset. At the and start. there's nothing to say, you know, you've got your shareholders' agreement or your partnership agreement. If you can negotiate something to the alternative, that's okay. But otherwise you've got your fallback position. Yeah. Well, if we can't agree on something in the alternative, this is the way. It's like a business right now. Um, yeah, I love that. That's so cute. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and lots of other things like you've obviously got leases, licenses. You might be buying the bit, buying the premises from which you're going to operate. Otherwise, yeah, leasing. We can make sure you're covered off in you know terms of the necessary protections as far as the lease or license are concerned. But yeah, it's like a, a collaborative approach because. There are various different aspects that need to be. And it's not just linear. It's not like go to this person, then go to this person, then go to this person. You won't get a one-stop shop. No, it's all kind of and then working in tandem. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, working in tandem as opposed to like it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go to this person first, and yeah. And then now we're done. Okay, moving on to you. Okay, now we're done. Now on to you. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Awesome. I think that's all of my questions answered. Was there anything that's, else you heard? No, that was all from me. You didn't have anything else to throw in no. since we... No, all good. Thank cool. you for the opportunity. It's all right. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I do. Really appreciate it. Love having you on. I knew you'd be good. <laughs> Always trust Jay to have faith in me, so... <laughs> Thank you. I'm very good at doing yeah, that. It's one, of, it's one of my skill yeah, sets, is yeah, believing in people. Yeah. Cool. See? Awesome. She's a big softie. Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> Thank you, Ange. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing and Margaritas. Find more free marketing tips, tricks and laughs at rebelnation.com.au.